I know you've been praising for a while, but would you lift your hands one more time? And he truly is worthy. He is worthy of it all. Amen, 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 amen. Praise God. Amen. Well, there's nothing like walking into the house of God and meeting the God of the house. And uh, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. My intent tonight is to kind of give us some instructions and, and uh, identify a couple things. And then I truly believe that God's going to do miracles in this place tonight. If you're here and you need a miracle, then I believe you're in the right place. Amen. And uh, I want uh, to say it's a delight to be here and all that. Amen. And uh, I love your pastor and his family, of course. And extended families, mom and dad and all. Amen. I bless the Ben Walls tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Have my wife with me here tonight. Amen. God bless her. It's good to see Brother Bush now. Amen. Bless him. Amen. Uh, you you could be seated. I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna read an official text. Amen. I'm going to uh, just start by telling you a story. Amen. Uh, I'm not quite sure what the, um, well, I guess I could tell you pretty close to the, the date, amen. I was uh, preaching in Okemo, Oklahoma. I was pastoring in Okemogi. I was preaching for Brother and Sister Chatwell. Good to have Jonathan Chatwell here tonight, amen. And in the sanctuary praying and the presence of the Lord become very real and rich in that place and the Lord spoke some things to me that day that were so just for me it was almost unbelievable now when I say that it's not that I have problem believing that God can do things my situation was I didn't believe God could do it through me and I think that's probably where you're going to meet most of your unbelief everybody here believes that God can raise the dead everybody here pretty well believes that God can heal of any disease the real battle is not believing that. The battle is, do you believe that God can use you to do it, for you to pray the prayer of faith? <clears throat> and so I was struggling with it. It was so far out there, and it was just uh, so profound to me what he spoke to me about what, uh, what I would do. And as a sign, of course, you know, God's pretty merciful to us. And, and as Brother Ewing used to say, there's a little bit of pitiful in all of us. And, uh, and I 
was thankful for that. God could have just said, you know, you dirty, rotten, unbelieving. But he didn't. As a sign of this, and I'll come back to that, as a sign of this, uh, I'm going to let you know that there'll be massive death and destruction in this area not many days hence. And so I went to Okima, preached that night, preached what the Lord gave me, and then <laughs> uh, as I did not tell you, there's just some things that God tells you it's just best to keep to yourself. And uh, uh, but I, I told him the Lord spoke some things and that I uh, I just really have trouble believing. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm from the cotton fields of southeast Missouri. And uh, my grandma and grandpa were, my grandpa was a sharecropper. My dad had to drop out of high school because my grandpa was injured in a, a train automobile accident, was crippled for over a year. So my battle was, is how can you use somebody like that that comes from that to do what you just said I would do? So I, I told him that night, and I said, now the Lord said that he'd visit this area not many days hence. There's a man on the front pew by the name of Tony Brown, and I was in Kima just a few days ago, and they gave me the Bible. The deal was is he had, a, he had a notepad in the front of it, and I wrote it, and I said, uh, the Lord said he'd visit this area not many days hence. I dated it and signed it. You'll visit this area not many days hence with massive death and destruction. That was on Monday night, about nine something. The next morning in Oklahoma City, which is what, 50, 60 miles, I think, a man by the name of Timothy McVeigh uh, pulled a rental truck, detonated it, and sent 100, and if I remember correct, 150 something people into eternity. It was like God was letting me know. What I told you will come to pass. This is a sign that it will come to pass. And so when he spoke to me that day, what and who involved, uh, again, I was just kind of like, wow. And then he gave me this. He said, but you remember in that day that Moses, when Moses was standing before Pharaoh, Moses was not in the court of Pharaoh, but Pharaoh was in my court because Moses was speaking my word. We see it totally different. We see Moses in the court of Pharaoh, but God said, no, that's not what was going on. I had summoned Pharaoh into my court, and I sent my word to him. And so I keep a picture, it's on my phone, I keep a picture of the mangled building, the Murray Federal Building, as a reminder that God does not lie, a sign that things will come to pass. So I'm here tonight to talk to you about the spirit of Pharaoh, where I see that we are at, it's 
apostolics and where we're at as the church. A few weeks ago, the Lord, last year, the Lord began to deal with me about you're going to have to learn now how to deal with Pharaoh, the spirit of Pharaoh. Now, uh, you know, we, we can look at the plagues and all that. We'll briefly mention them here in just a second. But the deal is, is Pharaoh, when Moses went into the court of Pharaoh and was speaking there, uh, Pharaoh responds with this statement, Who is the Lord? that I should obey his voice. I don't know this God. Now you have to remember that Pharaoh, the Pharaohs were considered to being God. And so it's almost like an attack of Jehovah against this demi-God. Pharaoh thought he was a God. Don't recognize your God. Why will I let his people go? And so now because of his exaltation because of his arrogance and his pride and God had already warned Moses he's not going to let you go except by my hand but trust me I'm going to get his attention and I'm going to prove to him that he's not God I've often wondered what was the last thought that went through Pharaoh's mind when he was gurgling the Red Sea amen uh, the deal is, is uh, it was an exalted spirit it's a spirit that had lifted itself up. I'm God. It's my word. People are going to obey my word. But there's always a moment when something that feels like it's a God is going to meet the real God. And there is where the showdown comes from. We're now living in a society where the spirit of Pharaoh is very active and very alive. Uh, I can remember a few years ago the Lord allowing me through the Spirit to see cities. And I watched them as they approached God's throne. You cannot believe the arrogance and the pride that was in those cities. I can still see it vividly in the Spirit where they would name themselves. I am New York City, but the arrogance and the pride was just astounding. I am in several cities throughout the world in their exalted plight. They spoke to God. Their arrogance, they spoke to him. I am this, and I am that. We're dealing with that right now. We're dealing with a society that says, who is God that we should obey his voice? We're not going to live by the word of God. We're now in a country that is very strongly influenced by the spirit that controlled Pharaoh. Who is the Lord? Why would I want to live that away? We live in a very confused society. We live in a time where, you know, they just, you know, I don't care what the Bible says. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Who are you to tell me what to do? Have you ever heard that one before? Who are you to tell me what to do? Why would I want to believe that Bible? There's contradictions in it, and it's out of date, and it's not right. And so they will argue, and it always comes from a spirit of arrogance and a spirit of pride. It is an exalted spirit that lifts itself up. Who is the Lord? That's what we're dealing with right now. It's, it's across the world. It's here in America. It's in Louisiana, whether you want to believe it or not. 
It's in Louisiana. It's in this building right now. Amen. Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? I know not this God. Now, Pharaoh, you're about to learn a lesson. Moses, he's not going to let it happen just by you speaking to him. So I'm going to equip you. I'm going to equip you with everything that you need. You know the story as well as I, where he said, all right, what's in your hand? A rod, throw it down, throw it down, become a serpent, pick it back up. Now that's where God and I would have separated right there, amen. Uh, pick up that snake, amen. I don't think so, amen. I got a lot of faith, but not that kind of faith, amen. Only good snake's a dead snake, and I don't even plan on picking that one up, amen. And, uh, oh boy, I'll tell you a story real quick. I don't know why, but I'm going to. Keith Clark and I were fishing right outside of Oatmonga. had this little two-man boat, and, man, we were, we were catching crappie like the world was going flat. What do you call them down here, Sakalai or something like that? And so uh, we, we were and this big old water snake, I mean, coming across the water and its head come up, you know, and, I mean, it was... Well, you could hold it like this, and it would hit the ground. And uh, so it was, and uh, I, I carried a little 22 rifle in the boat with me just for uh, visitors like that, amen. And so uh, it was a lucky shot. It really was. I'm not that good of a shot, but I hit it and killed it. And it, it thrashed around, got up in some branches, and uh, uh, <clears throat> so... My brother Clark said, pull over there. I want to see how big that snake is. I said, no, nah, I don't think I'm going to do that. And he said, yeah, I'll go over there. So we pulled over there. He reached out and grabbed it. And he said, man, that's one of the biggest snakes I think I've ever seen. And he said, I'd, I'd like to take that ashore. And I said, don't put that snake in this boat. He said, well, it's dead. I said, I don't care if it's dead or not. Don't put that snake in this boat. Well, you know. Uh, <laughs> he rebelled he put that snake back there where he was sitting I said I'm telling you right now if that snake moves in this boat I will shoot this boat full of holes and he said it's dead you don't have to worry about it and so land back there and man we got back out there and I was sitting in the seat running the trolling motor and uh, I forgot about the snake. And that's when Brother Clark decided from behind me to take the boat paddle and just kind of brush it right up against that leg right there. I'm telling you, it, it, it got interesting. That's all I could tell you right now. I turn around asking, how, how evil can a man get to do something like that? Amen. And so... I, I just thought I'd throw that in there, how much I hate snakes, amen. And it just, you know, put your hand here, you know, leprosy and all that. Uh, but what's interesting to me is, is, uh, you know, Genesis and Jambres and all the snakes are on the floor. Of course, you know, the good snakes ate the bad snakes. And I, I get all that. And then the plague start. Now, this is where it gets really interesting to me. Then the plague start. Now, in my study the other day, I found out that the first three plagues, uh, the Hebrew people were not exempt from them. God didn't keep them from the first three plagues. They had to suffer them just like the Egyptians had to suffer them. And so I've kind of wondered about that. What, what, what were you doing? Well, I'm going to get Egypt's attention. 
and I'm going to get my people's attention. So I'm going to start these plagues, and when I start them, uh, it's about getting my people and the world's attention. Now, you can say whatever you want to say, and you can rebuke whatever you want to rebuke. But I personally believe that COVID is kind of like one of those plagues. It's kind of a wake-up call. And uh, we wondered in the church, you know, why is God allowing this to happen in the church? Uh, I rebuked it, you rebuked it, everybody rebuked it, but uh, it still did its damage. Personally, I think it was God saying to the whole world, including us, I need your attention. There's some things that are transpiring and there's some things that are happening. I need to awaken my people and I need to awaken the world. Praise God. Now, after uh, those three plagues, of course, and we go into the fourth one, every one of those that happens, it's an interesting study. I'd encourage you to study it. Everything that started to happen it was a direct attack against some deity of the Egyptians. I mean, it was God tearing down every system they had, their religious system, their financial system. He was breaking it down slowly, surely breaking it down because Pharaoh said who is the Lord that I should obey his voice who is the Lord you know the end result of all of that and then finally the death angel comes and uh, it, it's just it, to me it's a you know I heard it since I was a kid Sunday school story it's a great story but when you start looking at it and you realize things just keep repeating themselves over and over and here we are here we are facing the same thing we're facing the same thing right now so what do we do uh, this is what's interesting to me guys have heard me talk about this before about Pharaoh the spirit of Pharaoh and, and uh, what I told this church about uh, remembering that day uh, I, I've got a guy in the our church there in San Francisco he's a he's a unique man he's a good man and uh, he wanted he wanted to talk to me and so uh, he uh, I met him Thursday before we left and uh, you never know what he's going to talk about it's usually always interesting. And so we sat down and uh, we got to talk. He said, uh, Brother Morgan, he said, uh, about the plagues. And I said, okay. So he starts talking about the plagues. And I told him, I said, well, you know, uh, you know, Israel, the Hebrew people had to suffer the first few plagues with them. And, all. and he said, yeah, he said, uh, I, 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 yeah, yeah, you know. But he said, what I want to tell you is, is that, uh, Pharaoh's coming to San Francisco. I said, well, yeah, I, you know, the spirit of Pharaoh. He said, oh, no, no, no. Pharaoh's coming to San Francisco. And I said, how in the world's Pharaoh coming to San Francisco? He said, it's on a billboard. And I said, it's on a billboard. He said, yeah, it's on the billboard. And I said, what are you, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And I said, what do you mean he's on a billboard? He said, you ain't seen the billboard going out of town? I said, no. He said, yeah. He said, uh, there is an exhibit that's coming to San Francisco, and it is Ramsey II. 
they're bringing his remains and his body to San Francisco. Well, that's the Pharaoh that Moses had to deal with. And so when he said it, I said, you know, I've been saying we're going to have to learn. Now, I know this is a little weird for some of you, but you'll catch up here in a second. Amen. And, you know, I, I, we're going to have to deal with this. And so it's kind of like God said, well, I'm bringing him to you. Thanks, God. Thanks. Now, you know, he's dead. He's gone. I get all of that. But they said this, this, it'll never happen again. Once in a lifetime deal. This exhibit of Ramsey II, this uh, Pharaoh. And so this man said, you think it's a sign, Brother Morgan? And, you know, sometimes I'd say, I don't know, you know, this could be whatever. But sitting there in that restaurant, I felt the nudge of the Holy Ghost say, it is a sign. It's a sign that something's getting ready to happen. Mm. Stay with me here a second. It's a sign that something's about to take place. It's a sign. It's a sign that uh, we're not past plagues yet. Now, I know we're sitting here today, and we're thankful we're finally past COVID. I got news for you. It's just getting started. You're not going to like that. I know you're not going to like that because we just want everything to get back to normal, just get back to where it's comfortable. I got news for you. You got a Pharaoh out there, and God says, I'm not going to let it get back to comfortable for Pharaoh to feel like he's God. I don't want to get you all down in the dumps and depressed and all that stuff and all, but uh, this man told me, he said, you know, Brother Morgan, he said, years ago, he said, we had some men that come through the church and they both preached and uh, they, I guess, considered prophets using the gifts of healing. He said, they both said that in the end time, that there'll be diseases that won't even have a name and that um, Holy Ghost-filled people will be given power against these things as a sign to the world and to prove the name of Jesus. And so I said, okay, I can accept that. I can. And uh, I knew, I knew, I felt very strong. Just hear me out. I felt very strong at the service last night. I knew what I was supposed to preach there. I knew what I was supposed to preach this morning pretty well. had thought, and I knew about this service. And the Holy Ghost kept nudging me, saying, you're going to have to learn how to deal with the spirit of Pharaoh. The spirit of Pharaoh. Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? Mm, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Who is the Lord? This exalted being, who is the Lord that I should Remember the words of the Apostle Paul when he said in every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. High things, exalted things against the knowledge of God. You see, there's things that are active in your life right now that uh, wants to make you think that it's God. 
and it's in control and it calls the shots those spirits that come into your lives become very arrogant and very exalted in your lives I'm talking Holy Ghost filled people here tonight and I'll prove them to you in just a second and then all of a sudden it begins to make you think that it has the upper hand it has the power it has the ability to control and God will let it go for a while but then there comes that moment that God says, Humpty Dumpty, you're about to come off the wall. Amen. And uh, I'm not going to let you keep that arrogance that you have. I'm going to bring you down. Uh, I've, I've mentioned this in the last two services that I've been in, in the last 24 hours. Amen. And uh, I've talked about something that God's been deeply working with me about, about incorruptible seed and corruptible seed. I know some of these have been services, both those services probably they could quote it by now. But the fact is, is that incorruptible seed is the word of God. Corruptible seed is the word of something else, if you want to get down to it. But in Leviticus, it tells us that you are not to mingle seed in a field. You can't mingle it. Keep it like it is. Keep the purity of the seed and the species, which is... Uh, Old Testament law practices. Just keep it, keep it that way. Don't plant in the field two different kinds. Don't mingle the seed. He even got so strong, he said, don't even mingle and allow cattle to lay with another gender. That's what it says. Keep it, keep it clean. Keep it specific. This is the God that you serve. Amen. And so, now, and I said this, I want to repeat it again. God expects cattle to lay with their own kind. tells them over in uh, another place in Leviticus, I don't want you crossbreeding. I don't want you polluting seed. I want to keep everything like it is. And then he says this. He said, I don't want a man dressing like a woman and I don't want a woman dressing like a man. It's in there. It's in there. Matter of fact, that's where you get the word transvestite out of that passage of Scripture. Trance means to cross over. Vestite means vest are what you would wear. I don't want you to be a cross dresser. If you're, if you're a male, then you wear clothes that are distinctive to male. If you're a female, you wear them that's distinctive female. I don't want you dressing, I don't want you men dressing like a woman, and I don't want you women dressing like men. Keep the distinction there. Boy, I, I, I shouldn't, but I am. I can't find anywhere in the Old Testament that God ever told a woman to stand up and put her pants on. But I can men. I can tell you that he told the priest when you're climbing up that altar sacrifice, make sure you got on linen breeches. I don't want people seeing your nakedness. And I also know that when Job was having a little fuss with God, God said to Job, he said, stand up and gird your loins like a man. You want, you want that really translates? Come on, Job. You want to step into my presence? Step up and put your pants on like a man. Talk to me like a man. It's in there. That's, what, that's the way it reads. Amen. God's very, very interested in keeping distinction. He really is. And so the fact is don't mingle the seed. It's hard for you to allow 
an incorruptible seed to operate in your life while a corruptible seed is operating in your life. Incorruptible seed is eternal seed. It's where life springs from. It is the Word of God. Corruptible seed is the Word of something else. Now, Jesus got very clear about that. He's dealing with the Pharisees and the religious system, and he says, uh, you know, they're questioning about stuff, and he just said, hey, you're of your father the devil. Because whoever child is conceived by, that happens to be his dad. Boy, it's quiet in here right now. I think that's how it still works. I know we live in a weird, weird world, but, uh, you know, it's still the fact is whoever child is conceived by, where did the seed come from? Stay with me now. Where did the seed come from? Hmm. Because in the seed is blood. The life is in the blood. And so he said, you're of your father, the devil. He, he was a murderer from the beginning. He couldn't abide in the truth because there's no truth in him. And the lust of your father you will do. They said, don't you talk to us like that. We, we're Abraham's seed. He said, if you were Abraham's seed, he said, you'd receive me right now. And you'd know that I'd come from the Father. So he talks to them about from the beginning. Watch this. From the beginning, he was a liar. He was a murderer. And then John tells you about the other seed. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. That's the beginning. That's the beginning of truth, and this is the beginning of a lie. He was a murderer from the beginning. This is their beginning. This is where it starts. I, I can't help but get into this here just a little bit, and I don't want to confuse you, and I'm still trying to wrap my head around a little bit. But uh, they said, don't talk to us like that. If what you're saying is true, they said, we're not born of fornication. God is our Father. And Jesus, when he told him, he said, if he was really your Father, you'd receive me right now you're not so you know what I do believe that there is the ability to there to be uh, how can I explain it uh, spiritual fornication to where you create another father and you know what I'm, I'm just gonna say it I said it last night I'm gonna say it real clear I'm, I'm not gonna back up but the Trinitarian doctrine is a lie I'm going to get stronger than that. If you believe in it, it's almost kind of like you've got some kind of fornication going on. Because they said, God is our Father. We're not conceived of fornication. Well, you believe the Trinity, and you got to define who's the Father. And this is where it gets complicated. Well, it, it did for me because I got I got the whole Nicene Creed but to us there is but one God one God and three persons three persons co-equal co-eternal and co-existent God the Father God the Son God the Holy Ghost 
So that makes the father the father. I mean, that's the simplest way to view it. You got the son praying to the father. Well, the uh, Bible says that the Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary. And that was conceived in her was of the Holy Ghost. And even called it a holy thing. So, you know, as I've already stated, whoever child is conceived by, that happens to be his daddy. Which means that uh, the Holy Ghost would have been his father. Now you really want to complicate it, go to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us the son is born, this child is given. And then it goes on to call him the everlasting father. So if you follow the scripture, you've got the Holy Ghost father, you've got the son father, and then you've got the father the father. And as I said last night in Bro Bridge, if you ever listen to Ray uh, Stevens, he's got an old song out called I'm My Own Grandpa. And uh, that'd be the best way I know how to explain it. Who is the father of Jesus Christ? I ask people that all the time. They start down this road about the Trinity concept. Well, if you could tell me who the father of Jesus is, I accept it. Well, the father, really. Well, the Bible says that uh, the Holy Ghost is his father. Isaiah 9, 6 says in regard to the son, he is the everlasting father. So when you say he's come from the father, what do you really mean? When Jesus says... And uh, John pins these words. And I feel a little preach coming on me right now. When John pins those words, he said, uh, hey, he said, no man has seen God at any time. But he has come from the bosom of the Father to declare him. The word declare there doesn't mean uh, audible. It means to manifest him, to make him known. You can't see the Father. He's a spirit. But he will manifest himself in the flesh of Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word. If you want to know what really is the Father of all creation, it's the Word. It's the seed. Woo! I said it's the seed. That's where life comes from. Praise God. In the beginning was the Word. Now, Jesus later in John says, I will go back and share the glory that I had with him from the beginning. Boy, I've had him really jump on that one. See, he's gone all the way back to creation. Really. You, you, you think that. Oh, yeah, he's the eternal son of God. Well, if he is the eternal son of God, tell me where he began. In the beginning was the word. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Now, you believe whatever you're going to believe, and I think I'm correct. I believe that the word, and that's why Mary said, be it unto me according to thy word. Ooh. Seed is planted. Life begins. Now, I, 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 I hesitate to get into this because I don't get bogged down here. Last night I mentioned this. The Bible says that when that angel came to Joseph, he said, don't, don't put her away. Uh, this is of God and explained it to him and then it concludes Matthew 1 25 and Joseph did not know Mary until after the birth of Jesus Christ <laughs> like I said last night how would you feel sir if your fiance sat down with you at the local Taco Bell and said, I need to tell you something. Okay, 
I'm pregnant. And you knew that you and her had not had any kind of relationship. I'm pregnant. Strike number one. Strike number two. Who's his dad? A spirit. <laughs> what? Yeah, the Holy Ghost overshadowed me. What? Now, Mary, I'm not drinking whatever it is you're drinking. And I'm not smoking whatever it is you're smoking. And I'm not snorting whatever it is you're snorting. You need to quit your lying. That's impossible. And the angel come to him and said, this is of the Holy Ghost. And Joseph said, I will not mingle my seed with an incorruptible seed. not going to do it so once God speaks to you once the God once the word of God is declared to you you need to make sure that you don't mingle seed well, I, I, I don't know what you mean brother Morgan I'm gonna explain it to you once God speaks to you it's incorruptible the logos is incorruptible the word is incorruptible. You are born again. You're redeemed, not with corruptible seed, but with incorruptible seed, which is the word of God. So the fact is, is when the gospel, the word was preached to you, the seed was planted. And there's life in the seed. I got news for you. That Bible and that word is not just dead. There's life in it. I said there's life in it. I want to say it again. There's life in it. If you, if you put the seed in the right conditions, it's going to germinate and begin to produce life. And so when the seed comes into your life, you've got to make sure, as the writer of Hebrews said, that you mix your faith with it. You mingle your faith with it. Woo! If you don't do it, it's not going to profit you anything. But the fact is, is when you decide... I'm not going to allow any corruptible seed to enter into my thinking or into my mind right now that is contrary. Contrary to the word of God. Casting down every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. Logos is the express thought of God. It's the word. It's God telling you, speaking to you his thoughts, his will, his intent. That's what it is. Ooh, that's incorruptible. Incorruptible. If you're not careful, you'll mingle that seed and you'll allow other thoughts to come into your brain that says, Half God said. Who is the Lord that I shall obey his voice? You really think God can do that? 
you really believe God can do that? I mean, what did the doctor say? What did the banker say? What did your spouse say? What did your neighbor say? What's been feeding you information and thoughts? Woo. This is where the battle is. The battle is not, the battle's between your two ears. That's why Jesus was crucified at the place of the skull. This is where your real battle happens. That's why you put on the helmet of salvation. It's a war of words is what it is. It's God speaking to you his thought, his intent, and then the enemy says, I want to mingle seed with that, and I want to put thoughts into their brain and into their thinking that's contrary. Ooh. Contrary. Because here's the deal. God speaks to you some things. It's so far out there. It's hard to believe. It's hard to imagine. And then here comes corruptible seed. You? You? Who are you? Who? You really think that's going to happen in your life, in your ministry, in your family, in your church? Who are you? Who in the world do you think you are? Where did you come from? You're not one of the Pentecostal celebrities. You know, I have, I, I have nothing but respect for Billy Cole. But I, I've learned one thing about Pentecostals. We create idols and celebrities in Pentecost. And uh, I can remember a man in the Oatmobile Church. Brother Shatwell had uh, uh, Brother uh, Cole coming over to preach. And so one of the men in the church, he told me, he said, Hey, uh, I won't be here next weekend. I said, oh, okay. I said, uh, appreciate you letting me know. He said, you want to know where I'm going to be? And I said, well... Sure. He said, I'm going to be over at Brother Shatwell's. And I said, okay. Now, Brother Shatwell and I used to trade saints like some people trade baseball cards. Amen. That's a joke between him and I. Amen. And I'll give you two for one. And uh, I'll leave that alone. Amen. And uh, so I said, okay. He said, well, the deal is, he said, uh, Brother Cole, going to be over there and he said uh, so I'm going to go there and get my healing and I said oh, okay all right I said can I ask you a question he said sure I said uh, is brother Cole going to heal you what I said is brother Cole going to heal you well no I said who's going to heal you he said well God I said okay I said, can I ask you another question? Sure. Was God in the building here tonight? He said, yeah. I said, then why aren't you healed? Oh, it's getting quiet right now. Don't mess with our celebrities. We idolize them. Great men of faith gifted ministries and I, I, I'm for it I believe and I have respect for them but the lie is the lie is God can do it through them but he can't through 
you. They got something special. <laughs> Most of them have just learned how to not let corruptible seed mingle with incorruptible seed. Ooh. So when God starts trying to speak to you about, I want you to do this, I want to use you to do this, I want you to... Me? I just spoke to you. And there is life in what I just told you. If you listen to the other, it's going to produce death. Yeah. Death. So, uh, how about when you're in a service like we was in just a while ago? The presence of God moves in, and, and uh, the Spirit of God begins to touch people's lives. And uh, I just leaned over and told, I think, Brother Haygood and Brother Benwall, I said, uh, miracles in this building tonight I sense miracles Whew. and then Brother Smith got up there there's miracles here tonight it's incorruptible seed but then there are things that you allow into your life that are exalted it's empowered not you how many times you've been prayed for you ever heard that one before, exploding your brain? How many prophecies you got on your life? How many times you've been told that? I got to a point in my life, I said, I, I don't need any more prophecies. I, my God, I got, a, I got a vault full of prophecies. I mean, when people woke up and said, I got a word for you, I, I kind of got to the point where I just kind of like, you just, just keep it to yourself. I'd kind of like to see him do some of this other stuff he told me he was going to do. Okay, I guess I'm being too transparent for some of you here tonight. And, you know, God's told me some things, and then if you're not careful, there's these high things that come into your life. It tells you you don't have enough faith or uh, you're just going to have to learn how to live with this. And this is just what it is, and this is what the doctor said. And so, you know, well, the doctor said it, so it's got to be true. I get tickled with people. I know it's true. I Googled it. <laughs> I know people that I'm very close to that would tell me this is happening in our world. Where did you hear that? The news? Really? Is that it? Nope, read it on the internet. Oh, so that makes it true. How do you know it's true? Oh boy, here we are. You know, there's a big buzzword in our world right now. You know what it is? Fake news. You don't think the enemy can use some of that against you? You don't think he can give your report and speak something to you? It's just, it's a lie. That's all it is. It's a lie. God says, I'm going to do this. And here comes the devil. He says, well, I'm going to do this. And this is what's going to happen. And you choose to believe the lie over. And if the word of God declares something to you, I got another thing I'm going to tell you. You don't have to go pray and fasted about it for 40 days to see if it's the will of God. If it's in that book, it's already the express will of God. So you don't have to. 
Okay, all right. I'm, I'm, I feel a meddling spirit coming on here right now. I, I really, I'm going to get down here so I can see you a little closer. Well, I, I'm going to pray and fast about it. Because Jesus said, this kind goes not out but by prayer and fasting. And I watch people pray. And I kind of get tickled at how they pray. Let me borrow you. You kind of view prayer like, I'm going to keep twisting God's arm until I finally get it. Ooh. Ever heard this? Boy, I feel something right here. You ever heard this term, finished work of Calvary? Now, I know theologically what it means. But do you ever think about this? What can you do to add to Calvary? What kind of bargaining do you think you need to do with God to get him to, get him to give you a miracle? Well, you got to pray and fast. Devils only go out through prayer and fasting. I, I want you to do me a favor. I'm going to tell you this, and then when you get home, I want you to study it for yourself. Jesus was dealing with this lunatic and the devils and cast them out. And then he turns to the disciples and said, the reason why you couldn't do that is because of your unbelief. And then he says, because this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. And we've always assumed it was devils that go out by prayer and fasting. But Jesus had moved from devils to unbelief. Your battles in your flesh, your battles in your own unbelief. I'm right back where I started here tonight. See, God wants to use some of you mightily. God wants to use this church mightily. I want to say it again in the Holy Ghost. He wants to use you and he wants to use this church mightily. But you think that you got to what? Beg God? You got to plead with God? You, you, you got to buy your miracle? What, what do you think this is? He's, he's not your employer. I'll never forget God showing some of this stuff to me. He said, am I going too far? He, I mean, this whole deal about sons and fathers and all. But you get over there with the prodigal. It's interesting to me because, uh, you know, basically it's just showing you two guys in relationship with their father and the routes that they chose to go now, you don't have a mama in the story. You just got two boys and their dad. You got a truant mother. That's a good Mother's Day message. It really is. You got a truant mother. Mother's the church. She doesn't exist yet. So all Israel knew was a relationship between them and God, Father, masculine authority. And so this is how two boys decide to deal with authority in their life. One decides to backslide, and the other decides to become a Pharisee. Yeah, that went over real well. One says, I'm out of here. I don't like the rules. And you know what happens. He comes back. They throw a party. This is what really interests me in that whole story, parable. That boy didn't even know what was going on in his dad's house. He heard. For all you that want dead church, he heard 
music and dancing coming from the Father's house. Well, why is there music and dancing? Because it's reconciliation. I hate dead church. I'm going to tell you right now, if you're having dead church, means there's no reconciliation in the house. Because if there's reconciliation in the house, you ought to have quite a party. And I'll go, and I know some of you already know this. I'm going to help some of you that's got backslidden kids and grandkids. You just go out there and keep feeding that cow. Every day you go out there and feed that cow, that fatted calf. You just keep feeding it, and every day you look at it and say, one of these days, we're going to use you for a celebration because every day I feed you, and then I go look down the road looking for my son to come home. Woo! Just fatten that calf up because there's about to be a party. I'm prophesying to some of you right now. Just keep believing. Just keep believing. Go out there and throw a little more corn in that crib and just look at that little thing and say, poor little fella, one of these days we're going to eat you. We're going to have quite a party. And they're having that party. And the father puts the robe and the ring and the shoes back on the boy's feet. And the elder brother's out in the field. Yeah, he is. He's out in the field. And he asked the servant, he said, what's going on in my dad's house? Oh, haven't you heard? Your brother come home. What? That low down, good for nothing, backsliding devil wasted his inheritance. Him? Yeah. And your dad's throwing quite a party. Now, this is the scenario that I see. I see him saying to the servant, you go tell my dad I won't see him. And his father has to leave the party to go take care of a spoiled brat. Kind of like people in the foyer saying, go in there and tell the pastor I'm upset. I won't talk to him. You ought to be glad he's your father, not me, because I'd say, you little fat thing, it's just as close to you to come in here as it is for me to go out there. That's why I'm not your heavenly father, amen. <laughs> and he goes out there, and it's kind of like, can I pick on you a little bit? To his son, it's kind of like, Gucci, Gucci, goo. What's wrong, buddy? Now watch him. All of these years have I served thee. You never killed me a fatted calf. What? Now listen to the words of his father. All that I have is thine. You could have made merry with your friends anytime you wanted to. But watch what he says. Watch what he says where it starts. All of these years have I served thee. Never transgressed your law, never violated your commandments. You owe me a fatted calf. Here's my time card. Boom. I've prayed. I've fasted. I've done it all. Now you owe me something, God. What does he owe you? He's already given it to you. 
He's already given to you. So, so what you gonna do? You gonna come up here and begging for a miracle? Well, I, I, I feel something. I, I, maybe I'm off here tonight. I don't think I am. But I'm gonna tell you right now. You know, I, I, God really dealt me about this two, two revelations of the end time. And my people understand the mighty God in Christ, but they don't understand the mighty God in them. And then the second revelation he gave me, and the same night, I thought was completely disattached to it until just a few years ago, and I realized, oh, no, they're very much attached. And in that, in that prayer room that night, in my living room, God said, uh, I want you to see my perspective about the miraculous. And he gives me the, the story of the Syrophoenician woman that came to Jesus. My daughter's grievously vexed with the devil. I want you to pray. You can deliver her. I need a miracle. And Jesus said, no. I'm not sent to you. I'm sent to the house. She said, oh, I get that. And he said, it's not appropriate for me. Watch him. It's not appropriate for me to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. And she said, I agree. But even the dogs get the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Whew. And when she referred to a miracle, Jesus responded, viewing it as, it's my children's bread. It's just what I do for my kids. And have you ever wondered why that the Bible says a man that does not provide for his own household is worse than an infidel and denied the faith? There's miracles in this building tonight. And denied the faith... Why is God so tough on a man that won't work? Because when God created Adam, he said, I'm going to put a lot of my nature in you. That's why Jesus said, if your earthly fathers being evil know how to give good gifts unto their children, how much more does your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that? Ask. In other words, that's your baby. I assume your wife, trust me, nowadays you just want to make sure before you get into this. I was preaching in Eureka, California four or five years ago, and a man and woman sitting there, and I said something to him, and I said, well, what does your wife feel? He said, oh, she ain't my wife. My wife's over there. <laughs> so I just kind of ease my way into it now. You got a job? Why? Why, why do you think you have to provide? Let her provide. Huh? That's what I was taught, and that's what's taught in the Bible. Oh. I would like to see the manual that men get. Seriously. Did you get it? I didn't. This is your responsibility. This is what you're supposed to do. He said, Bible. Yeah, I'm quoting that. I'm talking about that big manual. Now, I assume, unless you got, you got grandparents, <clears throat> that you bought that pacifier. Yeah. How about the little dress, that beautiful dress she's got on? You don't know who bought it? <laughs> I understand. Okay, well, let me rephrase the question. You buy her diapers? Mm. Yeah. Food? Why? She needs to eat? 
Yeah. Why do you have to do it? But who are you to that girl? Her dad. Her dad? And so when God created you, he said, I'm going to put my nature in you. And my nature is to provide for my kids. I'm your father and you're my child. And I am responsible because God would never expect me as a man to do something he's not bound to do himself. And when he chose to use the term father, and you see the relationship between him and Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, when you start to pray, here's how you pray. Our father, which art in heaven. And the moment that you start donning, it dawns on you. You know what? I don't have to force him. Let me, let me, let me find somebody else in here. Anybody else got a little, uh, I need just a little bit older child. Anybody got a six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve-year-old kid sitting next to you right now? Dad? Sir, you have one. Uh, oh, and you got a job. Oh, yeah. Whoa. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost is setting this thing up right now. Her? Is that your oldest one? Now, you're like, oh, my God, that preacher's looking at me right now. Now, I want to ask you a question. I'd ask her, but I don't think I'm going to get an answer. How many times that that little girl of yours has come into your bedroom at 6 o'clock in the morning, fell down across the foot of your bed and say, please, Dad, will you get up and go to work? I'm hungry. I need some food. I need clothes. Please. I'm begging you, Dad. Please provide for me. Please take care of me. Please clothe me. Please feed me. Please, please, Jesus said, consider the lilies. Consider the flowers. If your God takes care of them, but you think he's going to take care of you. She don't have to get up and beg you to go to work. It's instinct in you. You wake up, I'm going to go and I'm going to provide because I learned this from my father, my heavenly father. So I want to ask some of you a question. Why do you think you've got to come down here on the altar? What do we get that from, the Catholics? We have to come down here on the altar and beg God, fall across the foot of his bed and beg him. I, I need you to provide for me. I, I, I need a healing. I need a miracle. I need provision. Why do you think you've got to come up here and beg God to give you a miracle? You don't have to beg him to give you anything. You have not because you ask not. All you got to do is say, I've seen a lot of people get the Holy Ghost. Now, now. I know Brother Smith's got his own way of doing it, but I, I run into those who've been praying for a while. Chronic seekers. Hmm. It's funny, I didn't know he was lost. Chronic seekers. Had one here the other day, I was preaching in church. And I said, sir, anybody here want the Holy Ghost today? And I, when I see, Brother Bush, now when I seen him, I realized that old boy has wore out the saints of the Most High. I guarantee you he's a chronic seeker. So I went back there to him. I said, you've been seeking for Holy Ghost for a while. Uh-huh. 
I'm kind of like he's proud of it. Uh -huh. That's not the right answer. And I said, why don't you have it? I don't know. Now, I, I, get, I can get really abrupt with some people. I say, you know you're going to go to hell without it? Huh? You look the part, you act the part. But the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, if it dwell in you, then it's going to quicken you. So if you don't have the Holy Ghost, there's no quickening power in you. darling wife sitting next to him I said what, 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 what are we doing you begging God for something he said yeah I'm just having trouble breaking through then I asked him this I said what kind of relationship did you have with your earthly father mm, it was okay it wasn't really good and I said you know what the problem is you're viewing your heavenly father through your relationship with your earthly father And I said, you know all you got to do to get the Holy Ghost is just to ask? And it, it's, it's, it's almost like when you start telling people this, they want to complicate it. Hope you don't have no chronic seekers here tonight. They want to complicate it. Want to make it hard. Something I earned. I'm about done. I said, we're just going to follow the instructions of Jesus. Would you like to do that? He said, sure. If your earthly fathers being evil know how to give good gifts unto their children. Any, anybody here got a $20 bill in their bill phone? How, how many, can I see how many $20? Boy, this, this is a broke church. I'm telling you that right now. Anybody got any money in their wallet? Yeah, you, who's got some money in their wallet? I, I need some money here tonight. Uh, don't, don't give me that if I can dig my wallet out. Yo, tight wad, get your wallet out. Is that all you got in there? Oh, my. Boy, I hit the jackpot over here, brother Benoit. Now, Brother Bushnell, this is how you take an offering, what I'm doing right now. <laughs> Just go down there and say, anybody got any money? He said, yeah, I got some. Give it to me. Now, I know so all of a sudden all of you lost your money, didn't you? <laughs> is this your grandson, son, relative? Grandson. Okay, I'm going to use you for an example, okay? Now, you can give it back to your grandpa unless he wants to be generous tonight. Ask me for that. Stand up. Say it loud. Okay, Jesus said, if your earthly father's being evil, not to give good to the children, how much more do your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that? Ask. So I'm going to be God and you're you. And this is the gift. You have the Holy Ghost, son? Wow. Would you like to have the Holy Ghost? You want the Holy Ghost? I'm better at it than David Smith.
watch and learn. <laughs> What's your name, sir? Knox. Knox? Hard Knox? Knox, that's your name? Now here is how easy it is for you to get the Holy Ghost. Okay? Ask me for that. Sure. Pretty complicated, wasn't it? No, not really. How old are you, Knox? Twelve? I mean, I had to give you, I had to give you two years of Bible study for you to learn. No. Your heavenly father standing right here in front of you right now. And he's looking at Knox saying, you want the Holy Ghost, all you got to do is ask me. And just as it was easy it is for me to give you that money, that's the kind of father you have. And God wants to give you the Holy Ghost tonight. Believe that? You believe that? You believe he'll give you the Holy Ghost tonight? Right now. Kind of got you on the spot, don't I? A little bit, you embarrassed? A little bit, you come to church here? Yeah. Okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to walk away from you, and I'm going to go on. Here's what I want your grandpa to help you do, okay? As I go to other people, we're getting ready to see miracles happen. I want you to repeat these words. I want you to look up. I, people get the Holy Ghost when they're looking up. That head down is a sign of condemnation. I want you to say, Father, according to your word, I ask you for the Holy Ghost. And then begin to rejoice and thank him for it. Because you've done exactly, see, that's incorruptible seed. Now there's some corruptible seed floating around here right now. The Spirit's saying, oh no, that's not how easy it is. Uh, you got to complicate it, Brother Morgan. That's corruptible seed. There's death in that. I'm talking about life right now. I'm talking about the Word of God comes into your life. Knocks just like it did. And the Scripture comes and God says, now what that preacher just told you is my Word. And there's life in my Word. And if you'll just believe and apply my Word and obedience to your life, I'll fill you with the Holy Ghost tonight. I'm, you, you can even sit down. We're getting ready to do it, all right? Anybody else here need the Holy Ghost tonight? Anybody else? I, I don't have the Holy Ghost, but I'd like to have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Anybody? I got knocks over here. Anybody else? Everybody got the Holy Ghost? Boy, you're doing a good job around here. How about this one? How about this one? I need a miracle. Anybody? I, I watched you come up here to the front praying for people all ago. I felt compassion for some of you people. Anybody here need a miracle? All right, Knox. Yeah, I'm going to have you stand here. Go ahead and stand, Knox. Grandpa, stand next to him. All you that need a miracle, stand up. You see, you are all like, yeah, that's how easy it is to receive the Holy Ghost. Well, that's how easy it is for you to get your miracle here tonight. Woo. One of these days, it's going to dawn on us apostolics. You don't have to go over there and jerk their neck out of place for them to get the Holy Ghost or a miracle. 
you're trying to help God out. You don't need any help. Miracles are in this house right now. Woo. I'm telling you, miracles are in this house right now. Right now. Miss Smith, get, get ready. Get up there and get ready. Yeah. I want John the Baptist to come. Prepare the way for me. Now, you need a miracle? Holy Ghost? And the oxen just a little bit, Brother Smith's going to give us some instructions. All right? Once he gives us these instructions, he tells us what he would like for us to do here tonight. Then here's what we're going to do. You're just going to ask. You're not going to go fall across this bed. You're not going to beg and plead. You're going to do exactly what the Bible says. Whew. The other day, God woke me up early in the morning. He said, before you see my hand, you've got to get my ear. And the reason why you never see my hand, you know what the Bible says? My ear is not heavy. My arm is not slack short. But he went on to tell him, he said, but you've got to, you need to take care of stuff and repent over some stuff so I'll hear you. And that's all you need to do is get God's ear and let him hear you ask. And then once that happens, let him show you his hand, his provision. Miracles are in this building right now. Woo. Miracles are in this building right now. Healing. Healing is in this building right now. Deliverance is in this building right now. Holy Ghost is in this building right now. I feel to tell you this. I said it. But I do believe, Brother Benoit, Brother Haygood, all you other ministers and members and saints, this is what I feel that 2023 is going to bring is an open heaven. And the things that God has promised, we're going to ask him for it. And I just believe it's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Anybody receive that right now? Open the windows of heaven. We're asking you for it right now, Jesus' name. Now, here's what we're going to do. I can't repent for you. You've heard Brother Morgan preaching, but we're going to repent together as a family. We might all say the same thing, but I'm going to say it again. I'm not repenting for you. I'm only repenting with you. But the reason that we all are repenting together is because we're making sure that we get everything out of the way. And then when we get done repenting, we're just going to all start saying thank you, Lord, for the Holy Ghost. And uh, as we begin to thank him for the Holy Ghost, it's going to come. You might say, well, I have the Holy Ghost. Well, that's awesome. Get it again. And while that Holy Ghost begins to fall, like Brother Morgan said, I promise you, whatever symptom, whatever sickness, whatever disease, whatever, whatever's coming against you, what we're going to do is I want you to loose it from your body and I want you to bind it in the outer darkness. And then here's what we're going to do. We're going to believe that the hand of the Lord is going to touch. I'm telling you, God can do anything. I'm telling you, the Lord can do anything. I promise you, anything can happen in this house. So we're going to loose it and we're going to call it out by name. It'll just sound like a rumble here all through the congregation because everybody's saying something different. Then we're going to bind it in the outer darkness. And then we're just going to believe that whatever you need, that the Lord is abundantly going to satisfy. Everybody all right with that? Let's repent. Say, Lord, forgive me. 
of all my sins. I'm sorry, Lord, for everything that I've thought, that I've done, that I've said, and that I've heard. Forgive me, Lord, of things I don't even realize that I've done. I give myself 100% to you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for my miracle, for my deliverance, for my healing. Thank you, Lord, for filling me and refilling me with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I want you to say, I lose. Now, whatever's coming against you, I want you to begin to tell the Lord right now. Whatever sickness, you just start telling the Lord right now. It's going to sound like a rumble in the congregation. It's all right because everybody's saying something different. That's right. You're telling him right now. I'm going to give you about 30 seconds to tell him. It'll feel like an hour, but it ain't. Ministry, while they're doing that, I want you to get ready. We're going to go through the congregation and begin to lay hands. Men and women of God, we're going to go through the congregation and begin to lay hands. I'm going to give you about 15 more seconds. You're loosening it. It might be diabetes. It might be high blood pressure. It might be Crohn's disease. It might be the old spirit of cancer. Whatever it is, you just loose it. It might be your mind, your body, your spirit. Just loose it right here. Let's keep believing. Hallelujah. The atmosphere is in the house. And I promise you, it's changing right now. There you go. It's changing right now. All right, I want you to say, I bind it in the outer darkness. All right, now you've been hearing him say all you got to do is ask him to do it right now. I want you to ask him, say, Lord, I'm asking you to do it for me right now. All right, here we go. Listen, you can lift your hands if you want, or you don't even have to, but I promise you it's about to happen. Are you ready? By the authority in the word of God and by the power of the name Jesus, let it happen right now. Let's begin to believe right now. Here it comes all across this building right here in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, God. I'm believing right now, men and women of God, I want you to find somebody to pray for right now. I want you to find somebody to pray for. I know I could have asked people to come to the front, but we're going to believe right now. Come on, men. Come on, women of God. We're going to believe right now. By the authority and the word of God and by the power of the name Jesus, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. I'm going to put this mic down, but let's just keep praying right now.